0: Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor, of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida.
1: Maybe there's an issue in your life as a couple. When you go home, you're going to have to confess. You're going to have to say to your spouse, I'm sorry. I've had a hard heart. You just have to do it. I can't do that for you. You have to do it. God will give you the power. Now remember one thing, your spouse is not the enemy. Satan, the world, and the flesh is. Your spouse is not the enemy.
0: It's often laughed about how women are chatty-cathies and men are silent stands. It's true, we were created differently, but it's not a pass for spouses to be lax in their communication. If you feel discomfort, those discussions bring couples together, speaking the truth in love, listening with empathy and interest. Both parties can provide security and understanding for the other. It's not even always about what's being discussed, but the act of sharing and listening. When children are grown, friends move away, you and your spouse will still have each other. It's your choice, a house of laughter and conversation, or silence and emptiness. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verse 15, with the conclusion of our message entitled, Marriage Growing Together.
1: So the scripture says, that "We got it." By the way, it happened in the Bible. That's why this verse. Let's look at it. Ephesians four twenty six. It says this: "In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry." That doesn't mean you get on a jet plane and go east or west for as long as you can. What it means is, look at the next verse. This is very important. You need to understand. And do not. Give who? Devil? It's the same as Satan. What? A foothold. You see, a hard heart doesn't go, hard heart tomorrow. It starts with little footholds. So what does that verse say? It says this, don't go to bed with unresolved conflicts. Don't allow the enemy to build it up because all during the night that's exactly what he's doing. We've all seen what happens. We get up the next day, we haven't resolved the conflict. We let the conflict go on for a day or two. And it's much worse now to try to ask forgiveness than it was the night when the conflict was there, isn't it? And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we go from a bruised heart to a cold heart to a hard heart. That's the process. And sometimes when you go back, it's over the silliest things. But Satan has got a foothold. Why? Because we're not obeying the simplicity of the Word of God. Now in Hebrews 3.15, it says this. Just write the verse down. It says this. No, you probably ought to turn to it. I think you need it. Because it's an important verse about hardening of our heart. Hardening of the heart comes from simple wrong choices. God gives us choices of how to obey Him. When... I don't admit that I'm wrong on that evening. It's because I'm too proud to admit I'm wrong. I'm just not going to admit I'm wrong, even if I am. That's a choice that I make in my life. Look at Hebrews 3.15. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, that's God or the Bible as we're talking about, do not... Harden, whose heart? Your heart, as you did in rebellion. See, what happened here is the writer of Hebrews is writing to the, to the Israelites who were known for hard hearts. The Bible talked to them all the time that they're, they were stiff-necked people. They, they just rebelled always against God. So notice that this verse says something important here. It says, you should go to bed with a right heart. From a soft heart. You have the choice how you're going to go to bed. You're going to harden your heart? If you hear the voice, you're not going to harden your heart. You should obey God. You see, what happens in all of this is then during the night, or during the next few days, that issue grows, and it just grows, and it grows, and it grows, and we become more prideful. It's more difficult to humble ourselves and to ask forgiveness. The Bible says just choose a soft heart and ask forgiveness before bedtime. You need to write somewhere in your Bible. And here's what it says. If you're going to grow spiritually, you must live in forgiveness. By the way, forgiveness is two parts. Forgiving and forgetting. Forgiving and forgetting. One of the greatest disasters is for you to forgive your spouse of something And then in the future, bring it up as an issue again. Aren't you glad God doesn't do that? He forgives and forgets. We're to imitate God. Now, every time you hear the word, you have an option. Every time. You can either obey the word, which will soften your heart, or you can ignore the word, which will harden your heart. Now, spiritually, that's a very dangerous principle because there comes a time in your life if you continue to hear God's Word and you harden your heart and you don't obey Him and you sit in that chair and you make the choice of ignoring God's Word, somewhere in your life, there'll be a line. I don't know where it is for you. I don't know where it is for anybody. But the Bible tells us there is a line That God only comes and brings you to that place so many times. Finally, if you ignore the word enough, your heart gets hard beyond God's help. It's called the unpardonable sin. And it's a place where you've said no to God so many times, you're never going to say right to it. You've made your mind up, and God says, fine, that's what you want. That's not what I wanted. I've come to you hundreds of times. But you've refused. Go ahead, you're out. Now, if you're worried, if you've committed it, you haven't. See, if you have, you could care less about what I'm even saying. So in our marriages, we must be very careful. Now, I'm going to give an assignment to you as a husband today. Husband, you're to be the spiritual leader of the home. So if there's an unresolved issue that comes up at bedtime, you're the one to initiate forgiveness. Well, it's not my fault, your fault. Oh, that's mature. (laughs) Thank you, spiritual leader. You see, the book of Matthew tells us, even if I'm the one that's been offended, I'm to go to the person that's offended me and ask their forgiveness. Men, step up to the plate. Initiate the forgiveness at bedtime. And you women... When that comes, don't go, well, praise God, I've never seen this before in all my life. Don't do that. Just go, wow, wow. See, what will happen is the two of you will cry together and you'll sleep together on the same bed, touching. We might even have more kids in the nursery. You never know what could happen. All right. (laughs) Notice what the Scripture says. It says, Today, today, if you hear his heart, hear his voice. Today, that's the principle of today. Maybe there's an issue in your life as a couple. When you go home, you're going to have to confess. You're going to have to say to your spouse, I'm sorry. I've had a hard heart. You just have to do it. I can't do that for you. You have to do it. God will give you the power. Now, remember one thing. Your spouse is not the enemy. Satan, the world, and the flesh is. Your spouse is not the enemy. Number three, pray together. This is the third way that we grow together. Pray together. You've already seen that we're in a spiritual warfare. You know that. I know that. We have to fight for our marriage. Guys, we have to fight for our marriages. If you're just going to take your marriage and just go through and go, ah, with two Christians, that's cool, you're going to have very many problems. You have to fight. Now, it's not fearful. I'm not fearful of my marriage, but I have to fight for it because all the forces are against that house. The Word of God is the most powerful offensive weapon. But what makes the Word of God go is prayer. Prayer is the energy. Ephesians 6, 18, prayer is the energy that you need to fight For your marriage. If you and your spouse will pray together on a consistent basis, it will be a deciding factor of success. During your prayer times, confess, admit your selfishness, ask forgiveness, acknowledge the truth of God's Word, cry together, hold each other, pray for your children. Here's your homework. Husband, take your wife a few times this week and just hold her hands and pray together. You say, Well, I don't know how to pray. Do you know how to talk? Well, I shouldn't say that to men. They don't do that too good either. But prayer is nothing more than what speaking to God. So just say, "Honey, I don't. I've never really prayed much, and I'm, I'm embarrassed." Hold her hands and just say, "God, I pray that you bless our marriage and help me to be a godly husband and bless our kids." And that's good. God will honor that. He'll start changing your heart. It'll start softening. And you pray together. If you do that a few times this week, it'll just surprise you. Now, let me just encourage you. I get a letter from some gals who write and say this My husband sits here, he comes to the services with me, he takes the notes, but nothing changes in our marriage. See, I can't do anything about that, and she can't. Husbands, you're the spiritual leader. You're going to be held responsible for that family. As we told you last week with your kids, you're the leader. Get in there. Ask for God's help. You say, well, she's so far ahead of me spiritually. So what? Start today. Starting tomorrow isn't going to help. Start today. And wives, let them lead. Let them lead. Let them lead. Some men don't lead because their wife won't allow it. They're going to make mistakes. So are you trying to lead? We all do. Number four play and laugh together. When God designed this house, He designed in here there should be some laughter, some fun, some excitement. If you remember back to your dating days, I mean, for crying out loud, the reason you dated the person was because they were fun to be with. Can you remember back that far? Do you need a pill this morning? (laughs) You Can remember? I used to be fun. I remember... Making my wife a pickle corsage. I worked in a florist and brought this big gherkin or whatever it was and the flowers all over it. And I saw my mother in law give me wood and everything was that or whatever. I had another one there, but we had fun with it. She didn't know it. There should be some fun in your marriages, in our lives, in your house. The last month, how much laughter? Any laughter? Just silence or bitterness? Any laughter? You see, friendship and romance are related. When you married your spouse, you married them because they were fun to be with. You say she's changed. Well, you have too. I have a definition that I learned a long time ago of insanity. It says this, always doing the same things, but expecting different results. You're crazy. You have to do something different. I heard a story recently about a lady who went to the doctor and both of her ears were just absolutely severely burned. And she went to the doctor and the doctor says, I've never in all my practice, you know, uh, uh, two ears, that burned. What happened to you? She said, well, doctor, you wouldn't believe it, but I was ironing. And she says I was ironing. I was watching TV and the phone rang. And I got distracted. And I answered the iron instead of the phone. And he said to her, man, I can't believe that year is so bad. He said, but but what happened to the other one? She says, can you believe it? That idiot called back again. (laughs) If you're going to do things exactly the same, you're going to get burned again and again and again. We have to do things differently. We have to do things differently. Let me ask you, when was the last time you and your wife had just plain fun together? Here's a homework assignment. You ready? It's spelled, date is spelled... Very good, praise God, still with me. On your date, I want you to go back and remember a fun time in the past, way in the past, either when you were first dating or... Just a fun time, and Linda and I talked about this the other day. And we went back, and we we had young kids, and we left them with the grandparents, and we headed out west on a two week trip in a car and a tent. And we had never set the tent up, and we got into Flagstaff, Arizona, at night in the dark, and we set the tent up for the very first time. That'll destroy your marriage. And we had a lot of fun. And with me, mechanical ability minus six, my wife actually put up the tent. But we remember that night. I remember that night. Because all night, the wind blew off this little teeny lake there. And all night, here's what my wife said. The bear's going to get us. The bear's going to get us. The bear's going to get us. The bear." I got up the next morning, broke the ice off and shaved. It was a great time. Now, she doesn't think that was a fun time, but I thought it was a great time. But we had fun laughing over it. You need to have fun with your spouse. Laugh. Memories. Fun times. Your best friend. Number five, talk together. Talk together. Proverbs 18.21 says this, The tongue has the power of life and death. You see, your communication will result in either life or death of your marriage. Someone has said very adequately, Communication is the lifeblood of your marriage. And many of us need a transfusion. Because there's very little conversation. What happens in this is because a husband and wife are made different. You know that. The ladies use the right side of their brain and the men seem to use their left more. And that means when a woman communicates, she's communicating about her feelings. Details. The picture is, is very colored. Lots of millions of color. Just details. With gazillion words. She just, she just has it packed in. And a man's using his left brain. He wants to talk about it one issue at a time, please. Offer solution for it. Here's the facts. And with as absolutely few words as possible, like, huh, and yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> so I so have a husband and wife trying to communicate with each other. It's difficult. Here's some ways to communicate. Number one, by the way, television has really destroyed our communication in the home. Shut it off and talk. We need to talk openly. Speaking the truth. More than just surface issues. What's for supper? Uh, how would the day go? Do you want to make love? It's been two weeks. <laughs> surface issues. See, for a guy, that's facts. The woman wants some color. She says, talk to me for four hours. Let's enjoy it. It may be tomorrow night. So, next thing is <laughs> lovingly. <laughs> lovingly lovingly talk lovingly do you know that some of us talk to our pets with more love and respect than we do our spouses do you know that it shouldn't be thirdly we ought to talk often we ought to talk often see one of these days your kids are gonna leave and it's you and your wife and dog bird fish whatever's left that's it and if you haven't learned to talk It's going to be very difficult. We worked on that. We certainly have more to work on, but we knew that was coming. Lastly, you need to listen with empathy. See, conversation is two-way. It's feedback. Here's what I want you to do. This is homework. You ready? You wives, get your husband's shoes on. See how he feels about things. You have to see how he feels from his perspective. You husbands, you find a pair of your wife's shoes and put them on. Now, here's the only Disclaimer, don't do this in the front yard. (laughs) Do it behind closed doors. Put them shoes on. And say, Is that how you really feel? Now I know how you feel. And she's going to say, Now I know how you feel. And I really know how my wife feels. And I'm glad God made me a man. Hallelujah. (laughs) All right. So, again, not in the front yard. If you do, tell them you go to some other church. Do it in your bedroom. (laughs) Here's a couple conversation topics, quickly. This week, when you put those shoes on, here's what I want you to say to your spouse. I'm thankful for you because... Number one, I don't have to wear your shoes. I'm thankful for you because... And then just tell your wife, bless her. And secondly, as you're talking face-to-face... Say to her, "What can I do? What can I do to improve our marriage?" If I would communicated the whole service with you like this, well, we're glad to have you here today. It's been nice. Um, we enjoyed. I hope you're understanding the word now. Look at point number four. You can see it on the overhead. It's not too difficult. If I spoke to you and left, you'd leave and go, "Well, you know, the guy said a lot." But he really wasn't concerned with anything. He didn't read my face. He couldn't tell if I was getting it. That's exactly how many of us communicate. We're listening, but our mind is a thousand miles away from what our spouse just said. So you have to focus. You have to listen. You have to take time. So men, in between those zillions of words, somewhere some truth. Ladies, shorten it down a little. We have small brains. You have small feet, we have small brains, so just shorten it down a little bit. We need help. Number six, hope together. Hope together. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, this world in its its present form is passing away. Life is very short. The older I get, the faster time seems to fly. I'm sure you understand that. We all realize how difficult it is to have a successful marriage If God wasn't in our home, Linda and I would have been a divorce statistic a long time ago. And don't act with shock because you would have been exactly the same. Is there any hope? Yes. You see, life is too short to have this home filled with bitterness and anger. Life is too short to keep in that home bringing up past failures. And life is too short to be this home to be nothing but a place of silence. I want my home to be filled with laughter and joy in the hard times, crying, peace, just a neat place to live. That's the way God designed it. To do that, you're going to have to have hope. Psalm 25 says, Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God and my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. You'll never make it, listen, you'll never make it in your marriage without God. It'll never be successful. You might stay together, but it'll never be successful. You see, hope is not some kind of wishful thinking, well, I hope my marriage gets better now, I'm going to buy a series of these tapes, I'm sure it's going to get better. Hope is in trust, the trust in God of the Bible in his character, and his help for your life. You see, God designed your home to be successful. Do you understand that? God designed your home to be successful. And the only way it's going to be is for you to understand that if you do it God's way, it can be. Listen to this. When we do what we can... God will do what we can't. When we do what we can, God will do what we can't. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to work immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to the power that is within us.
0: Throughout the life of a marriage, there are numerous assaults to the unity of that covenant. Today, Pastor Mark gave couples some ways to prevent the deterioration of their relationship. Number one was prayer, praying together about everything and for each other. We were also reminded to have fun with our spouses, what we liked about them from when we met, and to talk, hope, and encourage one another daily. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we continue in the Gospel of Mark learning about how destructive the love of money can be, how even the desire for wealth could keep you from knowing and seeking God. Jesus gives his disciples and us a strong warning about placing value on things and losing our eternal perspective. He knows our weaknesses, which is why he communicates this truth to us in such an intense way. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living.